Thank you for joining me in this live broadcast today. I'm so excited to minister the message of grace to you. We want to apologize um, for not having a, a full service last Sunday. We had some computers, computer hardware uh, problems. We actually still have them. They were supposed to, we're supposed to get some new um, RAM and stuff for the laptop and uh, it didn't come this week. So we're not going to have worship today because when we switch over between the different songs, we find it difficult to connect again to the live stream. So we're not going to have worship today, but we're going to have communion and uh, we're going to pray for the sick and we're going to share this message of God's unconditional love and grace. Isn't that so awesome to know that you can be impacted and will be impacted today? Every time I hear the message of grace, I experience so much life, so much excitement in my heart. You know, and last night I... Um, I watched one of my broadcasts on Grace, on, on now say Grace Stream Television, on, on Christ Cake, an Afrikaans channel in South Africa. And uh, we received so much good report on that program. People saying, man, it touched our lives. And uh, thank you for praying for us, prayer requests, and all those things. So it's good to know that the gospel of grace is making an impact in the world. Um, I want to welcome all those first time viewers. If you're a first time viewer to Dynamic Web Church, you are more than welcome. I want you to know that this is a place where you can feel safe. It's a place where you can know that you're going to hear a message that is directed towards the cross of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Dynamic Web Church's vision is not to uh, minister behavior modification. We're not here to try and alter your behavior. We are here to see if we can alter your belief system, what you believe about God, what you believe about the cross, what you believe about yourself, to direct you towards your life that's hidden in Christ in heaven so that you can have access to the fullness of what God has already given you which is already inside you and that's what the vision is of Dynamic Web Church to see the dynamics of the love of God operating in your life Amen so if you are a first time viewer know this is what you're going to hear to all the Dynamic Web Church members thank you for slotting in um, it's good to know that you guys are watching. If you're watching this um, in the rebroadcast, you're still so welcome. Um, I know that this is going to just touch the lives of so, so many people. We also want to bring to your attention the map that we've placed on our website. You will see on dynamicministries.com. If you're watching on our website now, maybe you're watching on some other website. Um, on the website of dynamicministries.com, there's a map that shows you who logs in from where. Um, so, and that's very nice it's nice to see, like I had a report last night somebody contacted me and said listen I enjoy that, it's nice to see that people from the United States people from Russia, people from South America um, everywhere just slots in uh, onto this website and that the gospel of grace is being spread worldwide and I believe, and this is the reason why I put this in is so that it can be encouraging to you to, to know that there is people worldwide that is hearing the gospel of grace. This is not an advert of my ministry. It is uh, to encourage you to, to know that there are people slotting in, people watching. You're not the only one. There are people that love this word, that says yes and amen to this. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, we're going to first pray together, and then we're going to go to the communion and, and, and a little bit of ministry concerning the sick and finances and those type of things and then get into the word that I've got for today, which comes from Colossians chapter 2, where I'm going to speak on our life that's hidden in Christ. Let's just pray together. Father, I want to thank you for your unconditional love. I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. 
I want to thank you that you love us unconditionally. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are inside me. Thank you that you speak through me. Thank you that people are right here together with me and I with them in the very same place called the spirit realm. The place where there's no distance, where there's no time, where the, where the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is as real as ever, where the resurrection of Jesus Christ is present as if it's now. Thank you, my God, that, it's, that, that the birth of Christ is as real as what has happened right now. And there's great joy in heaven because there's goodwill towards us. There's peace between us and God because of the sacrifice, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your awesome love. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking through me and impacting the lives of people. Thank you that people will be healed today from sickness, disease, and from the greatest disease there is, unbelief in the finished work of Jesus. Uh, that people can be healed of that. Because out of that, all types of healing, all types of blessing flows if people can come to a realization um, of what has happened upon the cross. Thank you, my God. Amen. Right. I would like, to, um, I would like you to turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, chapter 11. Before I, before I get into the uh, uh, communion, let me just uh, minister on another scripture concerning finances. I would just like to share a little bit on this. You know, in uh, I've been watching the news and I see that there's so much fear in the hearts of people, especially Americans, uh, concerning their economy and what's going to happen and and all of that. Let me tell you, I believe that before the end of this year we're going to see a great change in the economy um, towards the positive. It's all going to come right. It will all stabilize. Everything's going to come right. But as for now, there is great fear in the lives of people. They're talking about a 10% um, unemployment in America, um, which means it must be about 25 million people not having jobs. That's about what we have in South Africa, about 25 million people not having jobs. The only difference is we don't have 250, 300 million people. We've, got, we've only got about 45 million, 50 million people in South Africa. But um, it is still a lot of people not having work. And, uh, I mean, Toyota is, is, is closing down some of their plants in the United States and in Japan because people aren't buying cars anymore. People are going without jobs. This, uh, banks are worried. It's, it's still continuing from last year into this year. But I've got good news for you and I want to just share the scripture. And this is my favorite scripture uh, concerning finances um, in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to read from verse 24. And this is what, what the word of God is concerning your life. And, and I want to encourage you, if you have not watched the message on the prophetic um, I would love you to go into the archives on our website and watch the message on the prophetic and what the prophetic is. And in a nutshell, the prophetic is this. You look to your past and then your past in Christ Jesus. I want to define that. You look to your past in Christ Jesus. And as you look to your past in Christ Jesus, you can predict your future. That is true gospel prophecy. 
that is the, the work of the prophet. The prophet is somebody that takes the cross of Jesus Christ and his work interpret the Old Testament scriptures into the new and how it has been fulfilled in Christ and then from there tell you what's going to happen in, in future. So um, th- that's a thing that I would like you to go and study so that you can go and look at the cross and see what's going to happen in this year to come concerning your finance. What happened in the cross? Jesus Christ became poor so that you can become rich through his poverty. That's what happened. And that is how generous he was. Listen, I want to bring this and I want to make it clear to you. You are not rich because of your generosity. Your generosity does not predict your future. Your generosity does not predict how God will be generous towards you. Your generosity is not your gateway unto prosperity. What makes you rich is how generous God is towards you in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And when we see His generosity, then we also see who we are in Christ. And from there, we live generous lives. But our generosity is not connected to our prosperity. We don't have to prosper in order to be generous. And we don't have to be generous in order to prosper. Generosity can flow out of deep poverty. You can have nothing and be generous. And you can be a generous giver and, and, and uh, I mean, know this, that that generosity does not determine how much you're going to prosper. You know, I've, I've heard somebody say, listen man, make sure that you've got right seed in the beginning of the year in the ground so that you will not find by June or July you are without a harvest. Now that is everything, that doctrine is con- completely contradicting to Matthew chapter 6 where it says no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other nor else he will lay hold of the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and money therefore because man cannot serve God and money I say unto you take no thought for your life what you will eat or what you will drink nor of your body what you will put on is life not more than clothes and body more uh, is life not more than than food and body more than clothes. Behold the birds of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they, or worth more than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto your stature? And why do you take thought of clothes? Consider the lily of the field, how they will grow, for they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed, like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after these things the Gentiles, or the fatherless, seek. For your heavenly Father know that you have need of these things. But first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, listen to this, take therefore no thought of the morrow, of tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for his own things of itself. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. So, this is an awesome, awesome thing. You can't say, well, I need to put seed into the ground today to assure a harvest for June and July, because that is taking thought of tomorrow. That is laboring spiritually to make sure that you will have a harvest tomorrow. You know, um, he says here clearly, look at the birds of the air 
they have little value and just on the basis of little value God cares for them. Then he says look at the grass who's got even less value than the birds. It's just burnt to nothing. Um, today is there, tomorrow it's thrown in the oven, it's burnt. Uh, that, even that was clothed better than Solomon in all his glory. Then he says, how much more will God not clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, little faith, faith is a persuasion that comes through, uh, through the argument that says, Christ has done everything and not by anything we do, we will prosper or be blessed. The blessing that's upon what we do, in other words, you've got a business, you work for a salary, whatever, the blessing that comes your way is not based on what you do. It's, you don't have to work any spiritual principle to have any of the good things. It is based on faith. So he says, oh you of little faith, oh you that sees little value in yourself, oh you that see See, God is a God that blesses you on the basis and the foundation of your sowing and reaping and your work. You are of little faith. So I want to tell you this. You can be greatly persuaded today of God's unconditional love towards you. And by great persuasion, which is, I am of great value because my value is determined by the cross of Jesus Christ. And by that He provides for me. And I will not worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to look at tomorrow. I'm not going to say, well, tomorrow I must make sure that I've got some seed into the ground. That I sow into uh, a, a fruitful ministry. And that is the way God's going to provide for me. That is not the way unto prosperity. That is not the way which God has ordained for you to prosper. And I'm not going to be ashamed of that and I'm going to preach it on this channel and um, it is for people to know. People need to be set free from judgment and condemnation and fear through the word of God's grace. And on Grace Stream Television I will minister that because that's what people need. Somewhere people need to hear this gospel. Somewhere people need to hear it and this is where you will hear this. So, don't worry about tomorrow for you've got great value to God. Your value is greater than that of a bird. Your value is greater than that of grass. Your value is equal to that of Jesus Christ. The only way you know that you will prosper tomorrow is by looking at your life which is in Jesus Christ. And as surely as what Jesus Christ will have provision tomorrow, as surely as what Jesus Christ will be clothed tomorrow, as that He will have provision for tomorrow, in the state that He is today, where He is seated at the right hand of the Father, that's how sure you can know that you will have provision for tomorrow. So you don't have to worry about tomorrow. God has already worried about tomorrow. Today, your life today is to see that you don't walk by the law, that you don't walk by into condemnation and judgment, but that your focus is the cross of Jesus. So, for those of you that watch from America, see we've got a lot of viewers from America, I want to say to you, don't worry about the economy, don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, make sure that you just stay in the gospel of grace, you rest your mind in the integrity of God, you rest your mind in the unconditional love of God. You rest your mind in the cross of Jesus Christ. You rest your mind in the generosity of God. 
because God will care for you based on His love for you. The Bible says in, in, in Psalm 103 that God decided not to deal with us according to our transgressions. He says, for He is mindful that we are only but dust. So what it's actually saying there is that God will not deal with us on the basis of our works, for we will never get it right by our works, for we are not able by our own efforts to do things right. So, so many times when it comes to financial struggles and economic stress, we come and say, oh God, where did I miss it in the past? And when you say that, that is simply a revelation that's revealing to you your hidden belief system that was actually based on works. So many times I've seen it when when somebody struggles financially, the first thing that comes to, to a preacher's mind, most of the time that came to my mind when I was under the law, when, when it comes to finances, I would say, well, does the guy tithe? Is he a tither? Did he sow? Did he name the seed? Did he water the seed? And if, he, if he's done all of that, then I'll go into his life and look, has he got any hidden sin? And eventually you'll find something wrong and then you will say, well, that's what disqualifies him. And then the guy feels condemned. And what it actually means is you'll have to have a perfect sinless life in the flesh, in other words, in his human ability, before God will give him a sin. Now, that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, that way of thinking. That is what is called torment. That is what is called satanic. That is what is called not of God. That is what Satan wants you to believe. Because if, he, if you can believe that, you will never have peace about anything you receive. Another thing that I want to tell you is, when God has blessed you, if you've got money in the bank, know this one thing, that that money comes from God, but He has given it unto you, and now it's yours. It's not God's money. It is your money. God has given it to you. You know, if somebody gives me a car, but um, the car stays in his name, what it means is it's not my car. I'm just driving somebody else's car. And I will never, and if that's the only way I will ever have a car, I will never know what it is to own a car myself. But God has freed us from that mentality. We're not, you know, God, not like the king of Sodom, uh, with Abraham, when Abraham came back from the slaughter, that made a demand on the possessions that Adam had, and said, well, give me this, but keep that, that type of thing. No, he's like Melchizedek. And he even gives you more, and he declares that everything that you have is yours, and it's blessed of God. It's a blessing that comes from God. So know that what you have, God is not uh, making a demand on your possessions. That's not what he does. And the way you give is because you also possess the nature of God, which that's also something He's given you that is your possession, which is generosity. And out of that we live, and out of that we function, and we give. That's how giving works. But we can know for sure that our future is secure in Jesus Christ. We're not going to worry about February or March or all those type of things. And let's take the worst scenario. Say you are going to lose everything by June or July. I've got good news for you. God has given things in the Bible called contentment, called long-suffering, called um, uh, 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 just contentment, knowing that, man, what I have is enough. And in such a way, it pushes away all the, well, what if I'm not going to have? Because you're going to be happy with what you have. I just say this way, what's the worst thing that can happen in my finances? I will lose everything. But the greatest thing is that God puts something in my character that doesn't make me feel any of that. 
because I will be happy with what I've got, for that's the nature of God, contentment. It's like Paul said. He says, I'm always happy, because I've known what it is to have, and I know what it is not to have. I know what it is to be content. So contentment is the greatest key um, to experience prosperity. Your experience of prosperity is based on your contentment. Now contentment is not a work that comes from, um, <clears throat> contentment is not saying, well, I'm willing to settle for nothing. That's not contentment. Contentment is a fruit that comes into your heart when you receive a revelation of what you already possess in Jesus Christ. Then you become content. So don't try to be content. <laughs> you'll never get it right. Just have a revelation of what Christ has done for you and you'll find contentment coming into your heart. Amen. So, um, I want to just say to you, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't fret. Just say, thank you, my God, that I can just... And if you feel that fear in your heart, say, thank you, my God, that I can study your unconditional love. I can go and have a look at how you provided for David. I can go and have a look on how you provided for Paul. I can go and have a look at how you provided for Jesus Christ and how Jesus Christ is provided for today. And my life is not hidden in Malachi 3 concerning um, tithing and sowing and reaping. My life is hidden in Christ in heaven. My life is not hidden in Moses. My life is not hidden in Elijah. My life is hidden in Christ. And if I want to discover the fullness of my life, I look at Christ and where He is seated, and that is my stand before God. Amen. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. Right. Let's go to the communion. Now, there are many of you that might uh, slot in and watch this program, and you might say, Beth, you know, I've got sickness in my body. I walk with cancer in my body, I've got a brain tumor, I've got um, cancer in my stomach, I, I've been struggling with HIV AIDS, I've been struggling with uh, lupus, I've been struggling with arthritis, whatever pain, whatever struggle you have. And you've been walking with this for so many years and, and fear is gra grabbing a hold of your heart. And you might say, but I feel discouraged because I don't see my healing. Now, I believe that, I want to, uh, um, that, that God wants to encourage you and that there's life for you. Um, even if you've got that cancer in your body, there's life for you, there's joy for you, and there's healing for you in Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to read there from verse, uh, verse 20. We're going to read from verse 20. Yeah, let's read from verse 24. Now, I want to just give a bit of background here for you, those of you that hear this for the first time. The context of 1 Corinthians 11 is um, Paul correcting people concerning the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the communion that is a, a sign of that and uh, being mindful of what happened upon the cross. What people did in the, in the church here is they came together in a gathering in somebody's house or whatever, and they had a massive party. People became drunk. Other people ate and overate when the poor had nothing, and they would just maybe hand down what they've already eaten on and give it to the poor and that type of thing. It was just everything but being mindful of the body of Christ. They weren't mindful of the body of Christ. They were mindful of their bellies. They were mindful of, of becoming drunk. And all those things. So imagine having communion and people aren't even thinking of Jesus. They just become drunk and they have a have a good fellowship and eat together and all those type of things. Now that was that, that's not the communion. Now what Paul said was 
and then he came and he, he, he rebuked them and said, listen, you are not mindful of the body of Christ, therefore many of you has already died, and therefore many of you are sick and weak. Now, the, I don't want to come and bring judgment over, over you and say, well, you know, if you've got any sickness, you're not mindful of the body of Christ. What I'm trying to say is that in knowledge of the body of Christ and knowing what his body, why his body was broken and why his blood flowed, there lies power unto healing. Amen. That is, like I said last, last Sunday, for those of you that could, could watch the first part, I, um, I had a pain in my hip and knee and man, it was just very annoying. And I just said, well, thank you, Father, for what you've done. We've taken communion. I, I just was mindful of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And I just got healed. And so many times we walk with a thing for like two or three days. We think it's going to go away. And then it doesn't go away. Then we start to, start to apply what Jesus Christ has done for us by the renewal of our mind. And applying what the cross says to that through faith. And we find that it goes away. And that is exactly what Paul talks about here. Let's just read this. He says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Now, this is what, what Paul received from the Lord. Uh, let's read from verse 23. And I have received from the Lord that which also is delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of of me. Now I want to just say this, you know, there's a teaching that says that if I break this bread like this, this is now the physical body of Jesus Christ. Wake up and smell the coffee, my brother. This is bread. It's not the body of Christ. It resembles the body of Christ. If Jesus wanted wanted them to eat his physical body, he would have taken a knife and cut off his body. Why bother with bread? Because his physical body was there. And he could have given them some of the physical of his physical body. Now, um, don't think that is the, the way. I know that's what the Roman Catholic people believe, um, and there's some uh, churches that also teaches that. That is not the truth. The truth is that this re re represents the body of Jesus Christ. And when you eat this, we do this in remembrance of His body. So, <clears throat> if we take the bread and we break the bread, we we say certain things in the breaking of that bread. And in Colossians, we can talk about that more today. Uh, we say that the body of the Lord has been broken into pieces. It's not alive anymore. It has died. And when I eat, I say, I partake of that body of Christ that has died. That means I say, and by faith, I am mindful of Christ. I'm not mindful of my belly. I'm not mindful of my emotional state that I might want to feel a bit better now I'm drinking wine and I'm, I'm eating the body. I'm not mindful of my hunger or not. Um, I'm mindful of the body of Jesus. And this is what he says. Jesus said, um, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So what do we do? We, we, the bread was broken and they did it in remembrance of Christ. And Jesus also commanded that as often as what you drink of this cup, do this in, remem in remembrance of me. So what they did was, they did it frequently. You know, there was times over and over and over when they did that. So that Jesus Christ and what he did could be fresh in the minds of people. Because the natural inclination of human flesh is to 
is to, to gravitate towards the law. So, this was one of the physical things that God gave us to help us to keep our minds in the cross, in the resurrection of Christ, and what He's done for us. Right. And after the same manner, He took off the cup when He had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So, in other words, when you drink of the cup, we do it in remembrance of the cross of Jesus Christ and of His blood that flowed for us, meaning His life flowed for us, so that we can live by His life. He's, he lived a life for us. The life, when His blood flowed, His sinless blood, He was sinless, he was sinless when He went to the cross, all sin came upon Him, and then He died our death so that we can walk away free. And that means it's the remission of all of our sins. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So when we take this, we, we're not forgiven because of the confession of our sin. We are forgiven because of the flow of the blood of Jesus Christ on behalf of all of mankind. And Jesus Christ took away the sin of the whole world. So that th those people that grab a hold of it can be partakers of what happened already. Without an awakening unto the truth of what God has done for us, we will not experience any of the fruit. I spoke to a friend of mine just before the service and he said, it's like seed. That seed is scattered everywhere. It's in the hearts of everybody. But without the word, the water of the word, which is the gospel of grace, that seed cannot bear any fruit. It cannot have any life. It's just dead so the truth of the gospel, the truth that sin has been paid for, it is for everybody. And that truth is towards everybody. But as long as what we don't hear the word and it's mixed with faith, it is dead. There is no life. Um, a seed is dead. It's not something that's alive. It's a dead thing. But the moment you hear the word, it gives life to us. So when we partake of this, we say, I partook of this. I believe upon this. This is what Christ has done for me. The body of the law is broken. I don't relate to God through the law anymore. Uh, my life is not hidden in obedience to, to, to law scriptures. My life is hidden in the life of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, then he went on. He says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, in other words, not knowing, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So, we must know one thing, and that is, that if we don't know about the gospel, if we don't know the gospel of Christ, if we don't believe the grace message, if we can't say, well, his body has been, has been broken for me. I'm not guilty to the law of Moses, because that law has been fulfilled. I'm not guilty when it comes to, uh, I've sinned here or I've sinned there. I'm not guilty to that. My guilt is towards the body of Christ. I'm, not, I'm guilty in the sense of, I'm not partaking of what he's done, and that's where my guilt is. Okay, but let that man examine himself, and so let him eat um, of that bread and drink of that cup. Now, so what he says here is, let you, you must examine yourself. So the ex examination is to see what type of man you are in Christ Jesus. So examine yourself in connection with the body and with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's where you need to examine yourself. So, if you've got cancer, a sore leg, sore back, blind eyes, deaf ears, I don't care what sickness you have or what 
poverty you have, examine your life. When we partake of this, examine your life in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. It does not speak about examine your life. Well, where have I sinned? I hope that I can, let me confess my sin so that I can come sinless to the body and the blood of Jesus. If you come sinless to the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, thinking that you must be perfect to partake of this, why is the body then there? The body was broken so that you can say that even if I've got a sin, this does not have an effect in my life because the body was broken and God's blessing does not rest upon me on the basis of what I've done, good or bad. Hallelujah. You know, and this is a radical thing that I'm going to say, but people need to hear this. I'm, and I want to just say this as a foundation. I'm not for a sinful life. I'm against that because the wages of sin is death. So, if you go and live a loose life, let me tell you something, you're going to have death in your life. If you're just going to live a life and say, well, I'm going to waste all my money on gambling, I'm going to go and, and, and cheat on my wife, I'm going to just uh, be reckless in drinking myself drunk and all those type of things, you're going you're gonna <laughs> to eat the fruit of your actions. Let me tell you that. Now, that is not judgment comes from God. You are bringing judgment upon yourself by what you do. So I, listen, I'm against sin, but I want to make this statement. You know, and I've seen it so many times, people might say, badly pray for me, I want to be free from this, or I want to be free from that. The gospel, the, the, the message of the gospel is not to try and tell you what you must be free from. It is to bring the truth of who you are in Christ. So that when you can believe that, you can have access into true life, and there is deliverance. So, you don't need another prayer to be set free from a wrong thought. You need a revelation of the grace of God. That's what you need. Because the focus is not behavior modification. So many times we want to we wanna just, man, if I can just be set free from my drinking problem, I'll be happy and I will settle for a law message in my mind. It's more, listen to me, God is more interested in getting you into believing the truth about yourself than what He is in getting you free from drinking. Now, God wants you free from drinking because that's destroying your life. But what's more important to Him is you having a true revelation of the gospel of grace. And here we can see it. These people were drunk at the communion table. And Paul said, don't you have a, a home where you can drink? So, he was not uh, uh, rebuking them for drunkenness. He was rebuking them for not believing the truth. So, it was more important for God, for people to believe the truth concerning the body and the blood of Jesus, because in that is also deliverance of the alcohol problem they have, of the sexual problems they have, of the, the gluttony problems they have, and all of that. Because the truth is in the gospel of Christ. So, when you've got any sickness in your body, our focus is not to say, how will I be free from the sickness? Our focus is not to have another prayer so I can be healed. The focus is to identify um, myself and who I am in the body of Christ. Is to see where cancer stands in the body of Jesus and in the resurrection of Christ to see where my sin is when, it relates, when I relate it to the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's where our freedom is. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So now it says here in, uh, in verse 28, But let a man examine himself and so let him eat 
of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself. Now that is not God judging you. It's you not taking part of um, the body of Jesus. It's a, sim- it's a very simple thing. It's, it's say you're a very hungry person and, and I come and I bring food and you don't want to eat the food. You don't see that as food. You, you judge the food wrongly. You say, well, that food is, is contaminated or something like that, so I'm not going to eat it. You know what? You're going to drink damnation over yourself. You're going to die of hunger because you're not partaking of the food. It's not the person who brings the food that's killing you. It's you not partaking of the food that's killing yourself. Okay, so this is not God judging you. It's you not partaking of the life that God brings. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, now that is not, again, unworthily, is not understanding what it's all about. It's not having a sin in your life, because then nobody will be worthy. Eating and drinking damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly amongst you, and many has already died. For if we would judge ourselves, that would not be, uh, um, we should not be judged. In other words, if we would judge ourselves, in other words, if we would judge ourselves pertaining to the cross and the body of Jesus Christ, we will not be judged by the law. That's, that's exactly what it is. Amen. So, what I want to say is, in taking the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and having a true understanding of what it is, there's healing for you. There's a long, healthy life for you. There's absolute blessing for you. That's what it is. And that's what God gives and brings towards you. Amen. So, um, we've, we've put it on the uh, uh, screen that we're going to have communion today. So, I would like you to take the bread that you have. And as I break it, I want you to break, the, break it with me. And when you see this being broken, you know that the man that will be healed because he does everything right according to the law, that man has died. That man does not exist anymore. The man that is the, the man that, that received a curse in his body because he has done something right or, or, or something wrong, um, that, that man has died. It doesn't exist anymore. The sickness that you have right now in your body, cancer was broken like this in the body of Jesus to pieces, so that it cannot live anymore. And when this body was broken and died Every cancer cell in your body has died. Amen. So, your cancer, the cancer that's in your body is dead. That, that, that is um, discerning the body of Christ. And as you break it, I want you to break it into pieces. Because, you know, even as I break it now, there's something in my mind. This does something to me. Uh, because I, I, as I do this, there's a, it helps me with the renewal of my mind. And the reality about this. So, um, <clears throat> cancer towards the body of Bertie Brits has been broken 2,000 years ago. Therefore, it cannot live in this body. The body, that body has died. The body of the law in Jesus, the body of this earthly body of Jesus has died. And every sickness that's ever come into this plant and that will ever come to this plant was in that body and it was broken. Now, that virus could be in that broken body. You know, when, when, when they did beat Jesus and pieces of his flesh fell on the ground, you could, could pick it up and find under a microscope that virus is there. 
But I tell you, after uh, six months, if you take up that same piece of flesh of Jesus and you put it under a microscope, you will see there's no virus there. It died. It's dead. So I want to say to you that no cancer exists in the body of Jesus. It all died. All cancer died in the body of Jesus. And you, we are discerning ourselves now. We are judging ourselves being mindful of Christ. So we're making a decision about ourselves being mindful of Jesus. So I want to say to you, you are healed. Amen. And when you eat this, this, and Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Now what it means to have part in him means to experience the benefits and the reality of what he's done for us. So when we eat of this, we say, I eat of his body and I have therefore got part in the fullness of his resurrected body and all the benefits of his broken body. Amen. So, we're going to eat together. So, his body was broken. Father, I want to thank you that the body of Jesus was broken for us. And we partake of this body right now. And we say that we are healed. We say that you did receive all healing for us. The curse of sickness has been broken over us. We are the healed, the prosperous and the blessed because we discern your body today. Thank you. This was broken. We do this in remembrance of you judging ourselves, making a decision about ourselves. And we come, in this decision, we come to the conclusion that we've been perfected, we've been healed, and we are delivered in Jesus' name. Let's eat together. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for your blood. I want to thank you for the blood of Jesus that flows for us. And by drinking this cup, we are mindful of your blood, which is the forgiveness of sins, the remission of all sins. So I don't stand guilty before you. My conscience is clean even if I've done something wrong according to the law this morning my life is not hidden in rules and regulations but my life is hidden in Christ oh hallelujah thank you for the reality of the blood of Jesus thank you Father and as we partake of this blood we partake of sinlessness we are sinless because of the blood of Jesus We come as true worshippers having no consciousness of any sin but a consciousness of the truth Jesus Christ. Thank you for your blood. Thank you Jesus. And as you drink that be mindful of Christ. Be mindful of Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for your blood. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the body of Jesus, I declare every person that's watching this now healed. I declare this healing for cancer, that the healing virtue of God is flowing through every cell of your body. You are healed. You are delivered. You are set free right now by 
Jesus. You're experiencing the manifestation of your healing which is ever so real in the body of Jesus. You are delivered. You are healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday I, I really felt in my heart there's somebody in Europe um, that's, that's got a problem with cancer and that's, that's watching this. And I want to declare to you that you are healed. You are healed in Jesus' mighty name. Especially that person. Now you might be from India. You might watch this from uh, Sri Lanka or uh, I, I don't know where, <laughs> Papua New Guinea, wherever. I, I see people watch from there. So if, if you are watching this from there and you've got cancer, don't say, well, this is only for the guy in Europe now. Uh, maybe that person just needed to hear this to, to encourage his faith. Um, and that God lays that upon my heart to encourage him. But this is for everybody. And I declare all of you now healed and made well in Jesus' name. If you've been weak, you are strengthened now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, isn't that good news? That is good news. That, that, that's just so, so encouraging. Uh, we're going to go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2 Colossians chapter 2 and we're going to read from verse 15 let's read from verse 16 Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16 so as you experience your healing <laughs> I would like you, um, if, if you if you've received any touch from the Lord, you, you just experience the healing, or you experience that in, you just feel a renewal of your mind, or whatever. Um, it would be good for us to hear from you. It's encouraging to us to also hear what God has done for you, and uh, it's good for others to hear this. So, if you want to write this to us, we will. Um, you can do that and just write to us to live at dynamicministries.com or info at dynamicministries.com, and we would like to put this testimony under testimonies. Because uh, on our website, because when people read this, it's encouraging to them as well, and uh, that testimony just uh, brings uh, just persuasion, more persuasion to the lives of people, and they, that brings more persuasion towards what God has done on, on the cross, and other people can also be touched and encouraged through this. Amen. We don't we don't ask you to write this testimony to to tell people what a great ministry we have. We know that our ministry is great because it's the ministry of reconciliation is as, as great as what Jesus Christ is. That's how great this ministry is. So we don't you can't we can't add to that. There's nothing to add to that. The greatness of this ministry and um, of our lives is determined by Christ. So we don't do this from a low self-worth perspective. We would like to hear from you because that word is encouraging and it can encourage others. Amen. So if you've received any touch from the Lord, um, please email us, even write it onto the chat that's on this player, if you would like to do that. Um, amen. Right. Uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16. It says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of Sabbath days, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is of Christ. So, the context here is that people, the people in Colossae and the New Testament church really struggled with the law. Now, let me give you a good example and, and explain to you why. There were Jewish people, you know, so many times Christians think the Jews only lived in Jerusalem. <laughs> That's not true. They lived all over. 
is like today. They are all over the world. And there were Jewish people in Jerusalem, which was now the, the holy city, and then there were people from everywhere in Bethlehem and, and uh, Capernaum and all those places. There were Jewish people living there, and they had synagogues where they came together and where they read the word and discussed scriptures and they taught the word for the Jewish people that couldn't travel on a daily basis or on a weekly basis to the temple. So, and, and I mean, made it easier for them to sacrifice and all those type of things. So, they had these synagogues. So, the, the Jewish people lived in, uh, in areas where there were many Gentiles. So, when the gospel came, it came towards, the, towards Israel first. It's first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. So, the gospel was first preached amongst the Jewish people. And when the gospel was preached amongst the Jewish people, they still listened to that through the filter of the law, which they said, well, this is only for Jews. So, they believed in the gospel of grace. They believed, excuse me, they believed in the gospel of God's unconditional love. But they said that that was only for Israel. It was not for the Gentiles as well. Then they said, for you to become a Jew, there were certain, certain predicaments according to the Old Testament writings, like you need to be circumcised. You need to uh, sacrifice animals. Because they saw the Jewish people as the culture they had, and that's what made them Jewish people, was their culture. For, uh, I mean, heathen people could be baptized and circumcised and become part of the whole Jewish tradition. Uh, and the Jewish faith. Or, uh, uh, you know, just the, uh, uh, if you want to call it the faith of Israel, the law system. So, these people, when, when Christians started to believe, Paul went and he said, well, you don't need to do any of these things, just believe on Jesus. Then the Jewish people came and they said, well, we've got writings here that says this, this, this and this. And Paul didn't come with, I mean, he just, they just heard his word being preached. They didn't have documentation and all of that. He started to only write letters. So, these Jewish leaders could come and say, but it is written, go to the synagogue and hear for yourself. It is written, you must be circumcised. And these are the writings of God that Paul even uses. Some people even said, uh, used the name of Paul and said that Paul even preaches circumcision. You know, he preaches circumcision and he was accused of preaching the law. And then Paul said, man, if I still preach circumcision, you know, then Christ has died, for, died in vain. So, um, and I'm not a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how far he went. So people went and they preached the law to people that already believed in the grace of God through the teachings of Paul the Apostle and tried to get them back under the law to be circumcised, to sacrifice animals, to, um, to pray in certain ways, to carry those things over the head and all those cloths and whatever which I see in churches today as well. Um, and then Paul wrote to them this, he says here in verse 16, Let no man therefore judge you in meat, in other words, what is pure, what, what, what to eat and what to, um, to drink. And I want to say here concerning meat is that the apostles in the book of Acts, and this is a very important thing for you to remember, that the book of Acts does not lay down doctrine. The book of Acts, out of that you can see through doctrine here and there, but that is not the laying down of doctrine, that is simply the acts of the apostles. That is the handlings, the way they lived and what they did. And out of that we can clearly see what was a lawful mindset and what was a grace mindset. So we can't go and say, well, 
if the book of Acts says you're not allowed to eat um, any meat that, that's strangled or meat with blood in it, um, you know, that was correct. Because we need to take the writings of Paul and the finished work of Jesus Christ and determine what we're going to eat and drink and all that. And here Paul clearly sees, says, he says, let no man therefore judge you in meat. In other words, in what you eat. If it's strangled, if it's got blood in it, or whatever. Let no man judge you concerning that. That word judge there means to make a decision and to exclude you. So let no man do that. Or in drink, in what you drink. Let no man judge you if you drink coke or wine or brandy or whatever. Don't let people judge you concerning that. Now you might say, Bertie, well that is now... I'm not saying, you know, so many times if you hear this for the first time, you're saying, the evangelist said I must become drunk. No, no, that, say to yourself, the man of God never said that. The legalistic mind in my heart says that. And that's the manifestation of the law in my heart. Say that to yourself, for I have not said that if that was what you heard. What I'm saying here is simply these words. It says, let no man judge you in meat. Let no man judge you in meat if it's offered to an idol or not. Let no man judge you in meat when it's sacrificed to a false god or not, if it's halaled or not. Let no man judge you. Or in drink. Let no man judge you in what you drink. That's as simple as that. Um, or in respect of a holy day. Well, uh, let no man judge you if you um, concerning any holy day. Concerning... If, if, if holidays today, now you might say it hasn't been always like that, but Christmas or Passover or any of those days. Now the context here is basically that people stopped to do those holy days. They didn't, they didn't go to the Passover feast anymore. They didn't go to all those feasts. They said, ah, oh, well, it's not needed anymore. And then people started to judge them. So I want to tell you, let no man judge you concerning that or concerning a new moon or a Sabbath day. Let nobody judge you concerning a Sabbath day. So, if you don't want to keep the Sabbath, let nobody judge you. And if, so, if you want to keep the Sabbath, let nobody judge you concerning that. Now, I just want to say this. Uh, the context of this was people judged people because they were not keeping the Sabbath. People judged people because they were eating food uh, sacrificed to animals. People judged people because they were not respecting the holy day. Or holy days. And then he said, don't let people judge you concerning that. So, um, we can take this to the other part and say, let nobody judge you concerning a Sabbath because you want to keep the Sabbath. But that's using the scripture out of the context in which it was written. It's actually saying, if you don't want to keep that, let nobody judge you. Concerning drink and what you drink, let nobody judge you. Um, concerning drink whatever you want, eat whatever you want. That's what it's basically saying. It says, all these things, it says, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the bodies of Christ. So it talks about the Jewish way of what you must drink and wear and all those, which were basically just a shadow of the true things. So, if you are truly um, into eating the right thing, into drinking the right thing, into having honoring the right day and the Sabbath, if I'm drinking the right thing, I'm eating and drinking the body of Jesus Christ. Um, if I do that, nobody can judge me concerning my drink whatsoever, for I am already drinking the right thing. For all the drinks and the way you ate and all that in the Old Testament was actually referring to Jesus Christ and what we eat and drink today. Okay, so what we eat and drink today is the body and the blood of Jesus. So it was just a shadow of that. 
And so many times we get so caught up into the shadow that we don't see the substance. It's like Ed Elliot said. He said, if you've got a, you don't kiss the picture of your wife, which is basically a shadow. It's 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 a, a shadow image of the true person. You don't kiss the image of your wife that you've got that that picture in your lounge um, uh, when she's in the bedroom. You don't do that. That's foolishness. If you can partake of who she really is and not, uh, why will you want to kiss a picture? That's foolishness. You don't want to do that. It's exactly the same. So why are we going to make a fuss of um, the Sabbath day? Why are we going to make a fuss of all those things? Those are only a shadow of things to come. And when uh, it, it says, which is a shadow of things, but the body is of Christ. The truth is of Christ. So if you have partaken of Christ, you've already kept all the laws. You've already kept circumcision, not eating food sacrificed to animals, all those type of things. You, you, you fulfilled it when you believed in Jesus. Let no man beguile you of your reward. In other words, if people come now and they start to teach you, watch out for this, watch out for that, this touch not, handle not, do not, they can beguile you. That would beguile means to judge against. In other words, they can judge against you of your reward. So they can actually rob you of your reward. Now there's a reward in believing in Jesus Christ. That reward is eternal life. That's what it is. It's true peace in this world. It's having a wonderful relationship with God. It's having absolute abundance of joy. It's having contentment and the fruit of the Spirit. It's having a relationship with God on a friendship basis. That's what it's, that's a reward. It says here, let no man cheat you out of your reward in voluntary humility. That word voluntary humility literally means to think of yourself lower than what you are. And in the worship of angels. Now, that worship of angels is an awesome, awesome uh, scripture. The worship of angels there does not talk about praying towards angels. Or what, um, what happened in the book of Revelation. When you see uh, in Re- Revelation 19.10 and many other instances of Revelation. Where John fell down in front of the angel and started to worship him. That's not what it talks about there. Um, I thought that the worship of angels was basically... Taking, uh, uh, always thinking of instructions that people would say, well, I saw this vision with an angel, you know, spoke to me. I saw that as worship of angels. But as I studied this and read some of the commentaries, I realized there's something deeper in this. The, the people at that time were taught that the angels were the, God gave the law through angels to people. So angels distributed this law message and um, gave it. And the worship of angels was actually, that that word worship means, the the, the sacrificial service. So the sacrificial service of angels towards God was to distribute the law message and give the law message out. And that you can go and read in Galatians. So the law was, was, the law came through angels. But the gospel of grace came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses, and then through the distribute, it was distributed by angels. But the gospel came through Jesus. So what he says here is, there are people that want to humble themselves lower than what they really are. So we are already the righteousness of God. So they want to humble themselves to a place where they say, we're not righteous, but we will try to do righteous things. And then they are, and that is voluntary humility and the worship of angels. In other words, the service that angels did 
which was to bring the law, that was what they did. They tried to do that and, and distribute and minister the law, which was touch not, handle not. Remember the Sabbath. Don't eat food sacrificed to animals. Oh, yes, or, or to idols. Don't drink this thing. Oh, you know, this thing has got 2% alcohol in it. You cannot drink it. Or, you know, that type of thing. That is, the, 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 the worship or the service angels did was to spread the law. Introducing into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So what he's doing is, he's actually introducing him into things that he has not seen. He doesn't have any revelation, he has not seen the grace of God, he doesn't understand how the law system works, and now he wants to introduce himself into that and say, well, I'm a minister of this thing, and he has not seen and understood the death that there is in that law message, and he's vainly puffed up by his lawful mind. That fleshly mind speaks of the law. You are vainly puffed up by your mind that is directed towards what I must do for God and my own human fleshly ability to be righteous before God. That's what that scripture means. So, he says, Let no such a man beguile you of your reward. Let no such a man come and steal from you. Because that teaching that says, listen, voluntary humility, in other words, humble yourself lower than what you are supposed to think of yourself, um, things like introducing yourself into those things that is not seen, in other words, um, you go into this, this, this law thing, trying to understand, well, let's see a deeper thing into the law, and this, that, if you want to go into that, you, vainly puffed up by your mind that is law-based, thinking, well, look how deep inside I have into this 20 steps, into that, and 30 steps, into that, and 3 steps to that, and to a breakthrough, and to a pulling down, and to all those type of things. He says, that will beguile you of your reward. Now, part of the reward we will have is eternal life in Christ Jesus, immortality, and all those things. But in this life, we all already experience great things, which is peace, righteousness, uh, uh, soundness of mind, good relationships and all of that. I had um, somebody phone me and say, you know, I've got a problem because my um, my husband, you know, and, and I, we're not getting along together and, you know, um, he's, he's in pornography and he started smoking again and he drinks too much and all those type of things. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm struggling. What can I do to get him to come right now? But, these people, but this person that said this, in their belief system and the church they go to, the place they go to, it's so law-based. And it's against, it's not just saying, well, it, it's literally against the grace message. So I said to her, the problem that you have with your husband that's in pornography, although that's very wrong, um, you know, and has got very bad fruit uh, in, the, in, in the marriage and all of that, and in the conscience of a person, I said, that's not the, your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is that, it's basically this, you have been beguiled or robbed of your reward, which is a good marriage, which is peace, which is righteousness, which is stability and all those type of things, by this vain humility. And the worship of angels, the spreading of the, of, of the gospel of the law. You've been robbed from your life. So, it doesn't help I do a quick prayer and say, well, thank you God that He's now delivered. But they continue in the message of death. It will happen again and again and again. 
And I want to say this, if that thing doesn't get fixed, that marriage can end. And because there's so much frustration, so much pain, so much hurt because of a law mindset. And I said to her, you know, what, what, what I think you need to do is get into the gospel of grace. You need a revelation of the truth and get rid of what causes all these things. The root problem is what you believe. And, and um, they, they were, I mean, they've been beguiled of their reward and they've been cheated out of their reward through a wrong doctrine. Now, this wrong doctrine, verse 19, is not holding to the head from which all the body by joint and bands having nourishment ministered. So, through the head uh, and from the head, which is Jesus Christ, through the body is ministered this message of grace and that is nourishment to us. True nourishment for the body is the gospel of grace ministered by people to each other. And it's knit together and it increases with the increase of God. So I want to tell you the increase of God that is in your life is direct, directly connected to understanding and meditation and thinking and pondering on what Christ has done for you and staying away from being beguiled through a, a, a voluntary humility. You know, voluntary humility looks so good, but it's not good. Verse 20. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ, listen to this. Wherefore, that word wherefore means because this is already so. Because this is already so that you are dead with Christ from the rudiments, that word rudiments, basic principles or laws of this world. This world talks about the Jewish system. Why as though living in the world or being worldly are you subject to laws like touch not, taste not, handle not which are all to perish with the using of the commandments and the doctrines of man. So Paul clearly comes and he states that worldliness is not just um, uh, um, idolatry and um, adultery and stealing and lying and those type of things. He says here, now that to me that is the fruit of worldliness. Worldliness, according to Paul here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is being under rules and regulations. And the reason why I say this is worldly, and why I believe why Paul said this is worldly, is because the law system that we are in doesn't have its, is not originated in God. When the law system came into a, a Satan, when he said, I must become, he was cast to the earth, for that's an earthly, worldly thing, and that made it earthly. So God, the message of grace, was in the heavens, and Satan and the message of, of I must become is on the earth. That's earthly, and God is heavenly. So he says here, why are you worldly under laws? You know, it was not, it was not instigated of God that the law should be between God and man. It was instigated of Satan and placed in between God and man by Adam, so it's a worldly thing. It came out of a world mindset. It came, it came out of human ability, human flesh, made it worldly. So here, uh, clearly Paul says, why are you as though living in the world? Being worldly. Subject to ordinances. Touch not, taste not, handle not. And I want to say the fruit of worldliness is sinfulness which is um, things like, let me read it here, um, 
fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, idolatry, idolatry, and, and things like wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lies. All those things are things that is as a result of worldliness which is relating to God by the law. Um, to stand under things like honor the Sabbath, watch out what you drink, watch out what you wear, watch out, uh, you must honor this day and that day, having a law-based mind, things like tithing, sowing and reaping as a way unto salvation and righteousness concerning your finances. That's worldliness. Right. Now, you might say, Batty, that's a harsh word. You know, um, why? I'm not going to make excuse for speaking on finances on this channel because um, people need to hear this and they need to be set free. Now, if I'm persecuted for this, you know, let it be so. But we're going to speak the truth and people need to be set free, man. People need to have the truth of what God has done for them because why will I now, oh, well, I'm so scared that somebody will not maybe want to broadcast on my channel or somebody's not going to, you know, be upset with Bertie and three churches not going to invite me to preach there because I now have said that it's worldliness to say that by your tithing you're trying to get a harvest. It's worldly. It's worldliness and it's vanity and it's a fleshly mind. And by that, people that do that think they're better than others. That doesn't do that or doesn't even believe in that. So we, we, not, we don't want to tolerate worldliness. Must we mix the gospel now with worldliness? Man, Christ is holy and the gospel is a holy gospel. We don't want sin, we hate sin. We hate worldliness. We don't tolerate worldliness. So we're not going to say, well, let's be worldly. No, no. We're not going to mix the gospel of grace with, uh, uh, with a fleshly mind, with things, with, we are not, I am not an angel. Now, I, I'm not into the worship of angels. I'm not into the sacrificial service angels had towards God. Which was, I am, I've got a new ministry. The ministry that God has given us is the ministry of reconciliation where Christ has reconciled the world unto Himself by not imputing their trespasses against them. And now, as ambassadors of God, we plea with you, be ye now reconciled, stand in the being that God made us in Jesus Christ and receive that and in your mind, be now renewed and see yourself as reconciled to God completely in every area of your life. For His salvation is perfect, including into immortality and finances and all those things. It's a complete salvation. Amen. So we're not going to tolerate worldliness. Now listen to what it says in verse 22. Which all are to perish with the using of the commandments and the doctrines of men. So the teaching of, listen, the teaching of honoring the Sabbath, which the people taught, was called by Paul the doctrines of men. It was not called the doctrines of God. For God's doctrine about the Sabbath was to enter into the Sabbath rest which Christ brought for us by resting from our works and the works of the law. That's God's doctrine about the Sabbath. But what people taught about the Sabbath is, you must rest on a certain day. 
and not go and do business. But that's not the revelation and the, 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 the Bible says the law is spiritual. That's not the spiritual interpretation of the law. It's not that. Like you shall not blaspheme. That word blaspheme means to take the, the, the or, or that word that says you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. That means you shall not think of the law in a vain way. I mean the name of God in a vain way, in an empty way, not partaking of the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So, um, yeah, let's just, let's just go there to verse 23. Verse 23, it says, it talks about these law things. It says, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglect of the body, not in honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Now, man, that is now something. It says, which things have indeed a show of wisdom. So, a, a guy that, man, he just does everything right. He's, he honors the Sabbath. He doesn't drink wine. He eats just the right. It looks so wise. It looks so good. It's got a show of wisdom in will worship. Now, that word will worship is so, so powerful. It, it speaks of more than just, it speaks of you using your willpower to have a, a, a relationship with God. That's what it speaks of. But it speaks of something more. Will worship also speaks of the free will offering or free will above what is demanded. Now, one of the commentaries says this way, and in the in the Greek it also says it is to do what is uh, to do above what is commanded. To say, well, this is what's commanded or demanded of me. And I will do even more. So what is, the, what is demanded of us? What is the work that God demands of us? Let's go and read that in John. You're going to be blessed with this. True, hallelujah. John chapter 6. And... Um, Let's go to verse 27. It says, Labor not. It talks about work. It says, Work not for, um, for meat which perishes, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him has God the Father sealed. In other words, what it says is, Work for eternal life. Okay. How will we work? Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? So, if I want to work unto eternal life. What must I do to work this work? And this is what he said. Then Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. If you want to do the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. That is the work of God. That, what, that is what is demanded of us. Is to work the work of of God. What is the work of God? To believe on Him whom He has sent. Now, this word will worship means to do above what is demanded of us. So we say, well, I will work the work of God. I will believe on Jesus and let me show you how good I am. I will do these three or four other things on top of that and that, according to the scripture, and is like that, looks very wise. It looks 
Wow, man, isn't this awesome? And in my body, I will neglect certain things. You know, I will beat my body, I'll make it my slave, like Paul said. And I will explain that quickly. Um, and by that we think, well, I'm going to keep my body, I, I, will, I will bite the my teeth, but I will not do this and I will not do that. It looks very wise. But listen to what it says in the end of that verse. It's got not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. What that means is, it's got no power to put down your sinful nature. Law people and and law-based mindsets doesn't set people free from sin. It teaches them and and, and it, it, it makes people hide their sin better. That's all that it is. It doesn't bring true freedom. It doesn't bring true righteousness manifesting in the lives of people. It doesn't bring true love in their hearts. It's like I, sp- I spoke to a person, a, a pastor, and he's, um, he's out of his church and things because of he's been molested when he was a child and he struggled with sexual things. And he's been to places in the States, in America... Where, he's, where deliverance has been done on him for two years or something like that. And he came to me and he said, Barty, I couldn't be set free. You know, I just was more in bondage. And a guy that did deliverance on me for months, um, after everything, he whispered to my wife and said, well, I think he's still in bondage. That's how much they believe in their, old system, in their own systems. Casting out devils, binding devils, anointing with oil forever. You know, certain things, past sins, generational curses, confessing sins, all those nonsense. And he said, you never even spoke of, I must be set free from this, or I must stop this. But as I got a a hold of this grace message, I find that I'm set free from my sexual sins. I'm a free man, without even trying. You see, the law system had no honor in the satisfying or the, or the quieting of his flesh. Only grace has got that. Only grace has got that. And believing on Jesus and adding laws to it will not satisfy your flesh. It will cause sin in your life. It will kill you. So, I want to say this to you, and I want to say it out straight, and that is that God has set you free from the do's and don'ts, touch not, handle not mentality. Your life is hidden in Christ, and we will pick it up next Sunday, but let me just read the first verse there. It says, If you then be risen with Christ. If you then be risen with Christ. In other words, he spoke to, he spoke to the church. He says, You people who has already been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits, not the earthly things, the earthly things is, Lord, what must I do? Then thinking of things you must do, laws that you break maybe, so that I can be more blessed or to get a breakthrough. That's being earthly. He says, seek the heavenly things. Seek the things that says, I don't want to know what I must do to be set free besides simply believing and having a revelation of my life that is hidden in Christ. Your life is not hidden in Moses, my friend. 
Your life is not hidden in the new revelation of Pastor Pete, John and Harry. Your life is hidden in the life of Jesus. So if you want to discover your financial life for your future, look at the financial life of Christ where He is in heaven. And then there's nothing you can do to get that besides simply believing that it is already so and believing that I cannot add anything to it. It's like somebody said to me, he says, you know, um, and and (laughs) this is now hammering on this very same thing, but it's it's the same principle. If you want to say, let me say this, if you want to say, well, I'm holy in Christ, but I just want to do this one thing to make sure I'm holy, (laughs) it's foolishness. It's absolute foolishness. It's like the one guy said, you know, I believe I'm prosperous in my finances like what you say, Bertie. You know, um, and by the cross I'm prosperous. But I also believe there's a principle that we can add on top of that called sowing and reaping. Now that is like uh, Prince Charles going and starting a small fish and chip shop on the corner of the street out of a caravan saying I want to add to my riches. It's not adding anything, it's making him look pathetic. That's all it is. So I want to say to you, we don't add to this gospel. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus. Then it says in the end, don't add anything to this and don't take anything away from this. Because if you take away from the simple gospel of grace, what will be taken away from you is eternal life. Go and take it, read it in Revelation. And then it says, if you add anything to it, you, you might still have eternal life in, in, in Christ because you, you believe in the basics of the gospel of grace, but you add to it, now you add laws to it. It says the plagues will be added and the curses will be added to you because you add the law and under the law is the curse. And if you take away from this gospel, in other words, if you say, well, you know, all faiths are okay and, and um, we take away from what Christ has done for man and it's not in only what he's done, then you will take away eternal life from yourself. Man, isn't that awesome? So people, we stick to this gospel. I've got good news for you. God never changes. He is always the same. And what he has done is forever and we believe that and we rest our minds in that. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been really encouraged by this message. It's blessed me. I know and I trust that it has touched your life. Watch this in the archives. Um, it will also be available on our website, dynamicministries.com. Maybe you're watching this from uh, Rob Rufus's site or some blog. Um, this will be available uh, later today. Um, on, in the on-demand part, but it will be in the week available for download under um, because you can't download it from the on-demand part, but for download you can download it from our website dynamicministries.com. You go to our Sunday archive and under the correct date, today's date, you will find this message. So um, forward that link to people. Man, get this gospel out. Uh, <laughs> I, I like what um, Sherry did. It's somebody from Canada and she, she said um, she just wrote a letter and says, maybe you might disagree with us or whatever, but I just felt in my heart to send this to you. And she sent to a lot of people on her email list. And what a blessing. People could hear that. At least they had an opportunity. So you can also do that. Do that, man. And, and let that unction that's inside you to have people hear this. Make use of that and walk by that power that God has already given you.
in Jesus' name. Well, we're going to end off with a nice worship song. Um, enjoy that song and know this one thing, that you can enjoy God's unconditional love for you.